Today we're going to be talking about this. The Panasonic Lumix G9. The awesome folks over at B&H were kind enough to loan me this camera for review. They also sent me two lenses, the 25mm f1.4 and the Panasonic Leica DG 42.5mm f1.2. And I also use some of my own Panasonic lenses and I've been using this for a couple weeks now and I want to let you guys know what I think. This camera is impressive. This video is sponsored by the awesome folks over at Squarespace. If you need a website, Squarespace provides an all-in-one solution for creating beautiful websites, portfolios, or even an online store. For a free trial, visit squarespace.com AOP. And for 10% off your order, use offer code AOP on checkout. Special thanks to the awesome folks over at Squarespace for sponsoring another episode of The Art of Photography. So I know what you're probably thinking. Hey, Ted, it's micro four thirds, and that isn't cool anymore. You have to have a full frame mirrorless camera because that's what everybody else is doing. Well, here's the thing. Micro four thirds is kind of the OG mirrorless format, and Panasonic and Olympus have been doing this for a number of years. And yes, technology has gone different ways. Sensors have become bigger, medium format is on the rise now, but I think these cameras still play a legitimate role in the photography space. And the most impressive thing that I think in particular Panasonic has done is they take the shortcomings of the camera and they figure out where their strengths are and they play to those and they design around things. And we're going to talk about that as we get into it. Yes, it is no secret that Micro Four Thirds sensors are in desperate need of an update. I think they've kind of maxed out the resolution that you're going to get on these things and I think that's one of the reasons why Panasonic recently has announced that they're going full frame. However, I want to show you some stuff like the built-in image stabilization that allow you to shoot at lower ISO settings with slower shutter speeds and kind of get around some of those things. But let's jump into the camera and check it out. So the first thing you're going to notice when you pick up a G9 that is really impressive is the viewfinder. Now viewfinders for a number of years, even since the old film SLR days, have been problematic because when you have an SLR, you have a mirror box that's involved and trying to get 100% of your crop or what you're photographing into the frame is generally a challenge. So is the magnification, like how well, how big it is, how well you're able to see it. And the cool thing about mirrorless technology is we're now able to produce electronic viewfinders that don't cost nearly as much as they did 10 years ago. We're building them into the camera now so the image looks really good. This one has a 0.83 times magnification factor. That is incredible. This is like back to the old Olympus OM4T territory. It's amazing. And it's the biggest one that I've seen on any camera. Even the new Nikons that have just been announced, the Nikon Z7 and Z6, that's a 0.8 magnification, which is still incredible. This is a 0.83. Another cool thing is Panasonic have addressed eye point. And so you're going to see on the side of the viewfinder, there's this little button. And when you press that, you're going to toggle between three different eye point modes. And what this does is it basically takes the image that's on the electronic viewfinder and makes it smaller, pushes it back further is the optical illusion that you have. So if you wear glasses, you're going to be able to see 100% of the composition because your eye is further away from the viewfinder. It's a really nice touch. The design and layout on this camera is extremely well thought out and in typical Panasonic fashion you have no less than 10 custom buttons that you can work with on this camera and that's one of the things I've always loved about Panasonic. On the front of the camera you have your first two which are on the side of the lens. There's also a little toggle switch here which is kind of a new thing that they've added and basically what this allows you to do is set the camera up into two modes. So by default it's set up for normal operation and completely silent operation. So basically what that means is when I flip this switch up to the second setting it's going to completely silence the camera. It's going to use the electronic shutter and turn off all beeping. And you can set this up to a bunch of different configurations and customize it to how you want but I think it's an interesting touch of what they've done with this. On the top of the camera you have a secondary viewfinder which is particularly useful if you are not using the back touch LCD screen. If you have that flipped around and you want to be able to check what your settings are without looking for the viewfinder this is a nice secondary way of doing it. And it kind of 
works like an old school SLR. When you turn on the power, there's an additional position. You can slide it over to illuminate this particular display, which is really nice. On the left, you have your mode selection dial. And on the right, you have independent buttons for white balance, ISO, and then exposure compensation. You have an aperture adjustment dial in the front and a shutter speed adjustment dial in the back. Your video record button is located in a spot where you're not going to accidentally hit it, but it's also easy to find, including if you're vlogging or filming yourself. On the back of the camera, you have your focus mode selection, a joystick, three custom function buttons, a rotating menu dial, display toggle, and playback button. On the left side of the camera, you have a mic input, a headphone monitoring jack, HDMI and charge ports. And on the right side of the camera, you have a remote option as well as two SD card slots. The drive selection is kind of a sub dial on the top of the camera, which allows you to toggle the settings between single shooting, continuous high speed, 6K, 4K, and self-timer modes. The G9 has a burst rate speed of 20 frames a second, or you can use the 6K or 4K photo modes. Now these have been featured on Panasonic cameras before, and this is a workaround for high-speed continuous shooting, is basically what it does is it captures a video clip and then allows you to go back through and pick the frame that you want. The G9 is also capable of taking images at 80 megapixels with a dedicated high-res mode, and basically what it does is it uses a sensor shift. So when you're ready, you go ahead and make the exposure, and it's going to take a couple different exposures moving the sensor around. It's going to stitch those together, and it gives you an 80 megapixel RAW file in the end. Now, this isn't great for everything. It's going to be limited to things that don't move, but for product shots or landscapes, it's extremely handy and it's a really nice feature to have if you want extra resolution. The other thing besides the viewfinder on the Panasonic G9 that really impressed me is the image stabilization. Now, this is dual IS2, which is a way of doing image stabilization that uses the lens in tandem with in-body image stabilization to give you five-axis image stabilization. And when you're using it to its fullest potential, it is incredible. Now, one of the problems just inherent to a micro four-thirds sensor is the size. It's small. It's just not going to perform as well in low-light situations. You're going to have more noise when you push the ISO. And on a camera like this, I think one of the things that Panasonic has always done really well is they figure out what those challenges are, then they figure out what they can do to solve that. And Basically, when you get comfortable and familiar with the G9 and you realize how slow a shutter speed you can actually hold a steady shot with, mine was easily half a second. It's really impressive. And you can go in there and set your minimum shutter speed so it doesn't actually go slower than that. And then the camera takes that into consideration when you're using the meter to auto expose. And so I was walking around with this thing at night. There's this jazz club that sits in an alley downtown that I happened on. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a great picture. And there's this couple going in. I knew it was dark. I knew it was really low light. And I switched the lens over to f1.2, exposed the image, came home, and later on I looked at it and I thought, what was this ISO at? Well, it shot it at an ISO of 200 and then one-tenth of a second shutter speed. And so this is handheld. You don't need a tripod. It's really amazing. The downside to this is if you have a moving subject, they're just going to blur because unfortunately image stabilization can't stop that kind of motion. You're just using slow shutter speeds. But the image stabilization for both stills and video in the G9 is probably the best I have used on any camera. Speaking of video, Panasonic did a really nice job with implementing video on what is clearly designed to be targeted towards stills photographers. Now, this does not overtake the GH5 by any stretch. You don't have as many video options, but if you're a casual video shooter, I think you'll be very pleased with this. You have 4K video, you can do 60p, 24p, 30p. You don't have a log profile like you do with the GH5 or an HLG profile, but it does pretty well. Another thing that is somewhat limited is the GH5 has lifted the recording time limit so you can record indefinitely as long as you have card space. You can even replace cards mid-shoot because it's using both slots. 
those aren't on the G9. In fact, you're stuck at the 30 minute or 29.9 or whatever it is recording limit. But other than that, it's a very capable video camera and the image looks great. One thing that Panasonic are a little bit behind with is autofocus. And this is something that's been going on a long time. And Panasonic announced years ago that they would not implement phase detection on their sensor. They were going to be contrast detection based only. And having said that, even with the firmware updates that they've given on the GH5 over the last two years, they've made vast improvements on it. For still shooting, it works great. It's very accurate. It's very fast, even in continuous shooting modes. I really didn't see much of a problem. The thing is, is it's just not on par with what you're seeing from Sony or even Canon with their dual pixel autofocus. And if you're relying on it to shoot video, you're going to be disappointed. It does pretty well, but eventually it starts to drift a little bit and it can mess up a shot really easily. I use autofocus. I'm filming on the GH5 right now. Sorry, I use manual focus. So it is set for manual focus and I just simply adjust before I start recording and do it that way. But you're not going to have it set up as an unmanned camera. Other than that though, I think Panasonic is some of the best looking video you're going to find on any camera system. And once they figure a way to get that autofocus worked out, it's going to be dangerously good. Some final thoughts on the G9. Now, a few days after I received this from B&H, the news came out that Panasonic are going to move into the full frame market. So where does this leave the G9 and where does it leave Micro Four Thirds? Well, to be honest with you, I think Micro Four Thirds still has a place. And one of the things that I think you have to give a lot of credit to not just Panasonic, but also Olympus for, is they give you a lot of camera for your money and they give you incredible lenses. And Micro Four Thirds has been around for a long time. I particularly like that they are smaller cameras that you can get as well. I would not consider the G9 to be a smaller camera, but it is amazing. The lens selection is absolutely some of the best. And so don't think that you're getting less of a camera with Micro Four Thirds. Yes, there are differences between Micro Four Thirds and larger sensors. And so the big question is, is if Panasonic is going to go full frame at this point, does this render these cameras obsolete? And I would say no. And I don't think it puts the G9 in a weird spot either because all the camera companies right now in the mirrorless space that are going full frame to compete with the mighty Sony, it seems, the problem is this, they're all where Sony was probably six or seven years ago, where it's a pretty interesting camera that takes really good images, nothing wrong with that, but you're limited to about three lenses and that's where they're all gonna be. And unless Panasonic has a plan coming out the gate to design a whole bunch of lenses uh, for a full frame format. And even then, I would argue that companies need to mature their lens lineup. And I think one of the things that Fuji has been really strong with in particular over the last couple of years, you know, some of their lenses aren't as great as others, especially the smaller pancake lenses. The autofocus mechanisms in those lenses have gotten much better as they've moved to like dual linear drive motors and things like that. And you could say the same for Sony as well. They're starting to resolve from my higher megapixels. And so this is one of the things that it's just going to take a while. And I think that if you're looking at Panasonic seven years from now, it could be a completely different story. But I think the G9 is still definitely worth looking at. I've had a lot of fun with this camera and I'm kind of sad to be returning it. This is like a lot of camera. It's amazing. Anyway, if you have any comments or questions, please leave a comment below. I will see you guys in the next video. Until then, later. Later.